Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. Today we're going to look at the golden uh, lampstand, or as uh, King James calls it, the golden candlestick. Now, if you understand the construction of it, you'll know that there's really no candles involved, uh, that it has wicks that uh, tapped into olive oil that went down into uh, reservoirs of, of olive oil, and it burned all night long, and then the priest would come in in the morning, attend to it, and get it, keep it burning all day long, and then in the evening, trim it and get it ready for the evening again. Uh, so we're in this series on Sunday morning. Now, um, we have a, a few weeks where we're going to have an interruption in the series because uh, we're going to look at some passages on Easter. And uh, then this next Sunday, I will be in Illinois uh, with my father, Lord willing, uh, celebrating his 90th birthday. And so that's a big event, and we're super excited about that. And so my brother is coming up from Tennessee, and my sister, who just moved to Tennessee, is also coming up. And then my sister lives in town. So the four uh, siblings will be together and pray for us that we don't kill one another, right? <laughs> so we're still siblings, and um, so I don't know that we ever outgrew that stage, you know. So, uh, but we'll have a good time, and then, um, Lord willing, uh, be back then the following Sunday. Now, um, this series is entitled That I May Dwell With Them, and uh, the whole point in the series about this Old Testament building is really to project it forward to Christ and the better things that are coming. And so it's supposed to be a help to us in our Christian life. And so last week, I trust that you were helped in your prayer life by the fact that God takes delight in our prayers and that we spent some more time in prayer this last week and that we will in the weeks ahead, knowing that that is the joy of our fellowship with the Father in our priestly service. Now, today we're going to uh, look at the, uh, the candlestick here. And so here is, once again, just a, an artistic rendering um, sometimes these are way off, and of course, you're not going to be able to see all the detail that uh, God describes. Um, this is a very intricate piece of furniture in the tabernacle. It was made of one solid piece of gold. How do you do that? How do you split it into all these different sections without weakening the material? Well, remember, the craftsmen who made the furniture of the tabernacle were filled with the Holy Spirit of God to do the artistic work. And um, so they were able to, in this, make reservoirs for olive oil to make it so wicks could go down through there, so the wicks could go up to the top and, and so forth. And um, it's just an amazing piece of furniture. Now, once again, like we said last week, we don't have a verse that says Jesus Christ is the altar. And we don't have a verse that says Jesus Christ is the lampstand or the candlestick. But according to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, we know that everything in the tabernacle is a type of Christ and of better things to come. And so there is value and benefit in studying 
uh, the different pieces of furniture and how they point us to Christ and how they point us to better things. So what I hope to accomplish through the message today is to help you understand how you can have fellowship with God the Father and His Son Jesus through this piece of furniture, the candlestick. And we'll see that Jesus said that He was the light of the world. But the Bible also says that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then the olive oil that was used in the candlestick uh, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So you might put it this way. The living Word of God, Jesus Christ, uses the written Word of God, the Bible, when we're illuminated through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll make some different applications that will help us as we go through this. So there is a type of Christ. There is benefit in studying the types found in the tabernacle. But once again, remember, these things are just a shadow of heavenly things. So shadow implies that there's substance in a real object. So what we're looking at is just the shadow. And we can project forward and we can actually then look at what the shadow was being cast by. And that's Jesus, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we can't speak in detail. Man, I'm telling you what, I had some fun reading this week as I went through uh, some of these different commentators. They came up with some pretty creative ideas. I mean, they were describing the flowers in detail and uh, what the awesome uh, the, the almond blossom was all about. And just to be honest with you, I can't go into that much detail about it because, well, the Holy Spirit of God didn't go into that much detail. So we have to understand the basic generalities and, and how they benefit us in our life. So when the scripture does not speak to the details of the type, then we must not have the license to come become creative. And um, that seems to be a growing trend in churches today, is to take license with the Bible and to find a deeper meaning behind the plain sense meaning of the text. And so you come up with a, a meaning after, then there's another meaning behind that. And so now you're four or five layers deep, and you've come up with five or six different meanings on that. It's just not the way the Bible works, folks. Um, now, there is allegory in the Bible. But when there is allegory in the Bible, the Holy Spirit clearly points it out and says, this is allegory. So today, we're, we're not going to look at allegory. We're going to look at symbols and illustrations and so in Exodus uh, chapter 25, uh, verses uh, 31 through 40, we're going to see uh, the instructions given to Moses about making the lampstand. And uh, once again, there's uh, one piece of material here. This is not wood overlaid in gold. This is pure gold. Uh, you're going to see it's one talent of gold, and it's all one solid piece. All right, Exodus chapter 25, begin reading in verse 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. 
three bowls made like unto almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch with a knop and a flower, so in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. Verse 35, and there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlesticks. Verse 36, their knops and their branches shall be one of the same, and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. All right, let's try to keep things simple. What's the purpose of the candlestick? To give light. All right, so that'll be one of the uh, symbols that we pick up today. So its purpose is to give light. Verse 38, And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look thou that thou make them after their pattern which was showed unto thee in the mount. And so here's that word pattern again, uh, where we get the idea of a type, all right? Make them according to type. And so I'm just going to keep this simple today and not try to overcomplicate it. Now, uh, the other two pictures that are here, um, the bottom uh, left-hand corner is what the holy place uh, artistically rendered would look like. You have the table of showbread on the right and the candlestick on the left and the altar of incense uh, situated before the veil which is going into the holiest of all the holiest place in the top left hand corner you have um, an over uh, a cutout diagram an overlay of what the different layers of the coverings of the tabernacle would look like there was actually no roof to the building uh, there were sidewalls, but the roof was the different layers of uh, animal skins that are in different colors. And uh, maybe later on uh, we'll have a, a message about that and, and uh, just all the curtains and the coverings together in one message. All right, so here today is the big idea. I want you to come away from church today seeing God's uh, initiating love and desire to fellowship with you through the candlestick. Now, um, it looks like I went too big with the text. Walk in the, and then you see some things cut off. Let's go over to 1 John 1, 7, and you'll be able to fill in that last word. All right. So if you're in 1 John chapter 1, look at verse 3. That we may have fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So that's where the first part of this statement comes from on your screen. But then look with me at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So walk in the what? What's the missing word? Light. What's the purpose of the candlestick? To give light. All right. So walk in the light. You say you're a Christian? Thank you. A lot of people don't want to identify as a Christian. Now let's see if we can back it up. Do you walk, take repeated steps in the light? And so our first point then is this. The lampstand illustrates fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, by the light that it gives. So verse 37, the purpose is to give light. And so let's go over to Psalm 119. Easy way to find that is just close your Bible and then open it up to about the middle and you'll be somewhere near Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 105. We see that the Word of God is symbolized by light. There's a, a correlation, there's an illustration of light and the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a what? Light unto my path. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to see some of the uh, ancient lamps that were tied to their sandals. Uh, they're really cute. They're like little miniature Aladdin lamps, all right? And uh, they would have a, a little reservoir of olive oil and a little wick, and so they would light it on their sandals, and it would cast light for their feet when they were walking at night. And um, so that's what it means, a light on my feet, and a, uh, a light for a lamp for my path going out. And so the Word of God, then, is what we should be walking with in our life. Thy Word is a lamp. Okay, so Christian, you say you're a Christian? Thank you. How do we back it up? How do we know that we're actually walking in the light? Well, when we read the Bible, when we listen to the Word of God. Um, so this morning, I'm going through the book of Revelation for my personal Bible reading. I uh, went through Revelation 19. Um, then I reviewed uh, our scripture reading that we're doing corporately together, Psalm 141. Then I went back and I reviewed uh, Psalm 1. And then I went and projected forward to what we'll do in April. I was listening to Psalm 22. And so my mind was taking just a moment to uh, walk in the light. And that helps us because it shows us the way forward. And so the Word of God is a light for our life. So a Christian should be in the Word of God. And this is where we find fellowship with Jesus. As when we're in the Word of God, he said, If my words abide in you, and you in me, we have fellowship one with another. You know, Jesus spends a lot of time knocking on the door 
of the heart of Christians. Have you ever seen that picture of Jesus knocking on the door? Some of you have seen that picture. There's a famous painting where Jesus is knocking on a door. That's not for unsaved people. That's for the Laodicean Christians. That's for apathetic Christians who don't open the door from the inside and let Jesus come in and have fellowship with him and he with them. So read your Bibles. How can you do that? All right, well, I was encouraging uh, some people this week. I said, all right, here's a, here's a way you can do that. Uh, Proverbs, how many chapters does Proverbs have? Anybody know? 31. Most months have 31 days. I know that there's a few that don't, but you can read a chapter a day from the book of Proverbs. So today is the 27th of March. You would read Proverbs 27. Tomorrow, uh, Proverbs 28 for the 28th of March. And of course, March doesn't have 31 days, so we, uh, or it does actually. And we roll around into April, which does not have 30 days. And you'd start over on April 1st by reading Proverbs 1. And I guarantee you, you won't be a fool on April 1st. All right? So just read one chapter a day corresponding to uh, the date on your calendar. That's one way to go about it. Uh, here's another way to do it. Uh, maybe some of you have a, a commute. Uh, you can set up your phone to connect wirelessly uh, or with you know, the aux cord and you can do U, uh, USB or whatever uh, and just set up a, a Bible reading program and you can just listen to the Bible every day as you drive down the road. Um, or you can do that in your own home. Um, Google, I get so confused because you know, I've got Siri on my phone, I've got Google at my house, I've got Alexa at my office, and sometimes I, I, I'm like a parent who can't remember which child I'm talking to, you know. Hey, uh, Siri, uh, no, I mean, uh, elect, no, Google. You know, I, you know, give it the command to open up Version Bible, and it opens up Version Bible, and then I tell it uh, the app, what chapter, you know, I left on, and, but it actually has a little device where it says, do you want to continue your reading plan? And you can just say yes, and it'll, and it'll go through that. So there's lots of ways that you can do that. Now, let's look here that Jesus Christ is also light. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. Let's go over to John chapter 8. Now, one thing I want to point out to you is look at verse 1. Find out where's the geographical setting of, of this passage of Scripture. You tell me. Mount of what? What's the lampstand filled with to give light? Isn't that interesting? Because he's going to make a statement. Now go down to verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall live, uh, have the light of life. Uh, let's go over to chapter 9. And look at verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the what? 
light of the world. Go with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Um, the, the context of John chapter 10 um, I'm sorry, of John chapter 9 is a blind man who could see no light and Jesus heals him and gives him light. The context in John chapter 8 is the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, which is the celebration in an intertestament period between the Old Testament and the New Testament when the Gentile uh, Greek king Epiphany, Antiochus Epiphanes had desecrated the temple and defiled it. Uh, they cleansed it, and they put olive oil in the lampstand, but they only had enough oil to last one day, and it's supposed to burn all the time. And it was a miracle. It lasted for a week. And from that time forward, they celebrate the Feast of Dedication, which we know today as Hanukkah. And so Jesus was celebrating the lighting of the candlestick, and he says, I'm the light of the world. Very interesting connection there. Um, let's go over to verse 46, if you still uh, were in chapter 12. John 12, 46. I am come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Um, and then First John 1, 5 and 1, 7 uh, Jesus is light. Okay. There are a lot of different voices calling for your attention in the world today. Parents, it's a challenge to raise children in, in this day and age, is it not? Okay. Uh, you have all kinds of resources calling for you to follow their model of parenting. Here's some advice. Don't discipline your child. You'll ruin their creative side. Yeah, you'll create a monster, right? Um, you have lots of different resources calling for you to follow this. Anger management Take your anger out on the punching bag, just imagining that it's their face, okay? You know what you do? You train yourself over and over hundreds of times to envision their face as a punching bag. Guess what may happen just one time? You may have been in a habitual habit of seeing their face and then one day just walk up and punch them, right? So, you know the interesting thing about psychology there's over 200 different schools of thought in psychology. 200 different opinions. Now, hey, look, some observations about human nature are just so plain you can't miss them, right? So a lot of what is 
mentioned in psychology is just common sense. But when it comes down to why we do things, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, Jesus. Jesus said, a wise man is one that is building his life on my teachings, my words, my sayings. But a foolish one is, a foolish man is a man that builds his house on the sand and doesn't take the teachings and the sayings of Jesus. This is pretty elementary, pretty simple, is it not? But do you know how busy we get in the world and we're just trying to take snippets of advice from internet articles, um, from radio, God forbid, parenting on sitcoms, right? Uh, we're, We're always being called to listen to what I have to say. But Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I I just want to challenge you. You see, the Bible is sufficient to deal with every area of our life. We have to be a student of the words of Jesus. Jesus created the psych. The Greek word for soul is suke, psychology. He's the author of the psych. Jesus knows how to instruct the psych. And there's wisdom in this book. And Jesus gives us his words. And we'll be wise if we build our lives upon him. And and, and the followings of Jesus are like, and you're not going to find that. So today we may have uh, some people that are going to watch this on replay later and Maybe they're of a different faith. May I just say to you, follow Jesus. Hear him alone. Listen to his counsel, to his advice. He's the light of the world. And so we're here today because we're Christians and we've gathered to hear the Bible opened to us. And I'm glad for that. But Will you just challenge yourself in the hard things of family life? The hard things about your own personal walk with with God? The things that just keep tripping you up? The word is sufficient to meet every one of those needs and to help you. And if you look at the many books on the table out there in the the lobby. We've got all kinds of topics. Cutting, same-sex attraction, finances, who does the dishes, right? Uh, Those kind of things. But the Word of God speaks to them. And this is where if you listen to Jesus, you'll walk in the light. And so Jesus is the light. He is the light of life. And so the light of the world is Jesus. Now, the pattern for this, once again, if you go back to Exodus chapter 25 and verse 40, is 
that we have fellowship, that we're spending our life with God. So Exodus chapter 25, verse 40. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Well, Moses spent time with God on the mountain, but the whole point of the tabernacle, if you go back to Exodus 25 and verse 8, is that we may fellowship with God, that we might be able to meet with him. So 25 verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may what? dwell among them, that I may live with them, have fellowship with them. And see, here's another thing about the way that some people approach life. God's unknowable, or there is no God, or God doesn't care. Thursday and Friday, Josiah and I went over to Marina, uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Marina, had a pastor's fellowship, and the theme was uh, encouragement. And uh, one of the pastors opened up uh, the Bible to us from the book of Exodus, and uh, four things about God. Uh, He heard their cry, he remembered his covenant, he saw and he knew them. And he said, God was hearing their cries, he remembered his covenant. Uh, Forty years before they started crying, God sent Moses ahead out into the wilderness to become a leader. And God already answered their prayer before they even started crying. And uh, God heard that. God knew uh, them. What a beautiful thing uh, just to know that where's God? Same place he's always been. Where he was when his son died on the cross. And so we'll be encouraged. We'll have light for our path, the way that we should go in life. All right, let's move on to our second point. The lampstand then illustrates our fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, by the oil that it uses. And so let's go back uh, now over to Exodus chapter 40, 25. So it's kind of reversed this time, different chapter. Verses 24 and 25, and he put the candlestick in the tent of the congregation over against the table on the side of the tabernacle southward, and he lighted the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, now, did they have electricity back in Moses' day? No, they didn't. So I'm going to go backward here for just a second. Um. The only source of light inside the holy place was the candlestick. The curtains were so heavy that they would have excluded light. The only way to have light then is through obedience to God. And if you're going to find your way around inside that room, you've got to turn the light on. <laughs> 
And that's the candlestick. If we're going to find our way around life, we've got to avail our source of God-given light and have the light burning in our life and it burned through the oil that was there. Now, let's go to a couple of chapter, or verses here. Since we're in chapter 40, uh, look at verse 9. And thou shalt take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is therein and shalt hallow it and all the vessels thereof and it shall be holy. Uh, let's go down to verse uh, 16. Um, Thus did Moses according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Uh, verse 15, And thou shalt anoint them, as thou did anoint their father, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout all their generations. And that's talking about Aaron and his sons, and their garments. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about this is God created a place for meeting. God created light so they could serve in fellowship with him. God created the priesthood so that the people could have a way to communicate and to fellowship with him. And all of it is in the anointing oil. And everything in, in the service of the tabernacle is anointed by oil. And we're going to see that even we are anointed, but the anointing, uh, the oil was just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Who guided the craftsmen in all of the furniture of the tabernacle? The Holy Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit is all through the tabernacle and everything that we see. Um, but before we move forward, let's go over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here's an anointing of, of a person. We saw the priests anointed, and we are priests, we're anointed, and we'll look at that in just a minute, but here's David as a young boy. And he sent and brought him, that's Jesse, his father. Now he, that's David, was Rudy, um, and withal of a beautiful countenance, it means he was handsome, and goodly to, to look at, and he was easy on the eyes, okay, Maybe a pretty boy, right? And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord did what? Came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Is the tabernacle a beautiful building? The walls are made of gold. You can see the picture behind the candlestick. Set in sockets of silver uh, with a golden candlestick and, and light burning. By the way, olive oil, as I uh, read it, described, uh, it burns white. Okay? So that would have been a bright light shining there. But would that beautiful building have been seen if it wasn't lit? Of course not. Would beautiful David have been a good king if he didn't have the Holy Spirit of God? No. 
You may be intelligent. You may be strong. You may be good-looking. You may have all the attributes that people admire. But what God is looking for is the anointing of the Spirit in your life. All those other things will just bring glory to God as the Holy Spirit accentuates and radiates Christ through them. So here the oil we see is in connection, is used with the Holy Spirit of God. Now let's go over to 1 John chapter 2. And we'll look at the New Testament believer. So these are the little Johns in the back of the New Testament. First John chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 20 and 27. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye shall know all things. Verse 27, but the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man should teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And is truth and is no lie, even as is taught to you, ye shall abide in him. Now, let's go over to Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses twenty one and twenty two. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who has also sealed us, given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So in the Old Testament, anointing was symbolic of the priesthood, of the kingship. In the New Testament, we can see that it's symbolic of our relationship with God, our fellowship with Him. Now remember, we're coming from the, the, the um, Ark of the Covenant and we're going outward. But if you reverse the process from man's side, you would come through the gate, you would go to the bronze altar where sin is dealt with in judgment. And from that point moving forward into the tabernacle, you can then have fellowship once sin is dealt with. So when you move into the holy place, the holy place is for people that have had their sins paid for and dealt with. So the holy place is a place of fellowship. We're co-laborers with God. We're working with God in the world today. That's what a local church is. I'm grieved. Two people were murdered in Hollister last night by gunfire. People in Hollister are dying and going to hell. We're a local church, and we can work with God in Hollister to invite neighbors and friends and co-workers and, and strangers to come with us 
and to know our God. And they can hear that sin can be dealt with through the sacrifice, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then they can join us in serving as God's spokespeople, as God's hands, as his feet, as his eyes, as his ears, as his heart in Hollister. And so this is a place of fellowship where we should be making friendship and spending time with one another Monday through Saturday where we work together. And so this is a place of fellowship and we have an anointing that remains with us. And then just to bring the message to a close, Christ was continually filled with the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14, he was filled and created by the Holy Spirit inside Mary's womb. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit of God and went about doing good. Your works and service, your good works for God, they have to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit because ministry done in the flesh is fleshly ministry. You see, there was no natural light that could get into the tabernacle. We have no natural gifts and abilities that God can use. We have to be lit and empowered and illuminated from within the sweetness of Christ so that we can be used in the world and to be continuously filled with the Spirit as Christ was. You come to the end of the Bible and listen to the connections of Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit. Revelation 3.1, Revelation 4.5, Revelation 5.6. Well, we as believers are to be continuously filled with the Spirit of God. So in closing, take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. So here in Ephesians 5.18, we're moving from the theoretical theology of the earlier chapters to the nuts and bolts of daily living, where we can put on the blue jeans of how you live the Christian life. And he starts out in, in Ephesians chapter 5 by talking about the Christian home, Christian marriage. Chapter 6, Christian parenting. Chapter 6, Christian childhood. Christian fatherhood. Christian employment and work ethics. But before you can get to that, you have to, and that all starts in Ephesians 5.21, you, you have to come to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 where we read this, uh, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So when someone is arrested for drunk driving, we call that driving under the 
influence. Well, we're supposed to live life under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. In the Greek, it's literally be being filled. The lamps had to be attended to twice daily. They were continuously filled over and over. And that was a responsibility of the priests. You have a responsibility. Keep your lamps lit. Keep your wicks trimmed. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your heavenly Father and glorify him. How do you do that? By walking in the light. How do you walk in the light? Walk in the Bible. Have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Let him influence your decision-making. A few weeks ago, one of the young school fathers um, was mentioning to me in Bible study, they have since moved out of state, and uh, he was saying goodbyes, but some of his parting words were very encouraging. And uh, he said, you know, Pastor, I just don't think I would have come this far had you not taken the time to minister to me. He said, one thing you said really helped me stop smoking. He said, every time I was tempted to pick up a cigarette, I would remember the change that lasts is the change that glorifies Christ. And so he wouldn't pick up the cigarette. And he was celebrating a string of days together. And he was rejoicing. And there were other things in his life that had radically changed. I was just texting with him this week. Are you still in the book? We had like three or four chapters left in the book. Yes, I was reading it this week, Pastor. And oh, Pastor, I'm listening to the Word of God in my commute and in my work truck as I drive. And he said, and we've got a church picked out that we're going to on Sunday. Right on. That's walking in the light. That's being filled with the Spirit of God. And uh, when we're filled with the Spirit of God, well, there's no stopping us in the power of the Spirit. Radical transformation that glorifies God.